Now, if you will, this morning, we have two texts. The first one I'm going to read to you, and the second one I'd like you to turn to. And the, the reason you'll see how they closely connect in just a moment. But the first text I'll read to you this morning is found in Hebrews 11.4. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. And then our text, if you'll turn with me to Genesis 4, 4. Our text is found there, and it reads this way. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel, and to his offer. Let us pray. O Lord, how great Thou art, how merciful Thou art, how holy Thou art, O Lord. I thank Thee, Lord, for this time that You've given us to come, that You've bidden us to be here this morning, Lord. And I pray, I pray, O Lord, that Thy Spirit would fill our hearts and our minds, that You would be pleased to instruct us in Thy holy word this morning. That, Lord, You would... Take us away from our thoughts and all the things in this world that would easily take and rob our minds of you. And I ask this morning, Lord, that as you reveal the pages of this book that you have left thy people, that truly you would open our hearts and our understanding to know that every page truly testifies of thee, testifies of thy son, and you would have it no other way. O oh Lord, impress that upon us this hour. Reveal to us, Lord, your Son in the pages of this passage today. And Lord, may he be exalted. And may you be glorified. And may thy Spirit be glorified. And may you anoint this time of worship with the only true worship that only you can provide. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Last time I was up here, we explored the first time that the gospel went out in the Word of God, and that was in Genesis 3.15, and we talked about how great the Lord's mercy was toward His people and, and how He provided for us there in the Word a, a promise that there would always be two seeds the promise of his son who would be on the prowl, so to speak, his whole life, his whole, the whole time we're here as he is constantly hunting down this enemy and bruising his head and giving him the death blow for his people. And as we come into this season, as I said last time, what's been impressed upon me the most, of course, is the reason for the season, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and I think about... Um, the need and the necessity to hear his voice, to hear his guidance. Um, you may think this is an unorthodox place to go today to, to listen and to hear uh, about Christ's birth. And, and it is. It's really not about his birth because I think sometimes we get lost in the gift and don't realize the depth of the gift. And I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit takes us today to show us Two things that stand out to us in this passage today, the gift 
The gift of faith that only Christ could give and the gift of worship. What is worship? What is true worship as defined in the word of God today? As of, as of where we've been so far on the face of this earth, we left chapter 3 the last time and, and Adam and Eve were driven from the garden. And actually in 24, I held off speaking about 24 a little bit just because I felt like the Lord was directing me into this passage for this week. So we leave off in three with he drove out the man. And, and truly, I think we'd all attest to that. If we, if we lived in the Garden of Paradise and we lived there in Eden, we would have to be driven out. We wouldn't, we wouldn't want to leave ourselves. And, but the, the most important part about 24 here is he said he placed, placed means tabernacled. He dwelt there. This is where the Lord would bring man to worship. And that's what this means. He said, and at the east of the garden of, of the Garden of Eden, cherubims. That tells us something right there. We know that the cherubims were, were um, on the mercy seat. And the Lord said, that is where I will be worshipped. And the, and the cherubims were, and we know that the mercy seat is a picture of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he is the only place of worship between him and the Father. And the Father accepts his worship is what we'll see today. So when he drove the man out of the garden, he, he put a place of worship for Adam to come to. And in that place, there was a flaming sword, which denotes the Shekinah glory of the Lord. And that's where he would meet man. That's where he would put him on the outside of the garden now and provide a place of worship. And that's very important for our understanding today because at, until the end of our chapter today, there was no public worship as in people getting together. It was always the head of the home bringing forth what God showed him in, in chapter 3. This is the only acceptable worship. That's important. And then it says... And a flaming sword which turned every way to keep or to show the way of the tree of life. That place of worship was always to show the tree of life. Was always to show the way and what is pleasing to the Father. And that is where we come in today in chapter 4. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and she bare Cain. And she said, I have gotten a man, it actually is translated, the man from the Lord. Eve was a little deceived here, as most of us parents are sometimes about our children. She believed that she had gotten the seed that was promised in Genesis 3.15. That there would be one. That's why she named him Cain possession, a promise from the Lord. And how do you know this? Well, then she bare again his brother Abel, which means they were twins, and Abel came along and she named Abel Abel, which means vanity. She believed that Abel was just vanity as God gave her the, the man that was promised, the one that would come after was just a side note, so to speak. That's important, not much, but it does tell us something. It, it hit home with me when, when I understood that because, you know, sometimes we get ideas about our children. 
And sometimes we get understandings about our children and how we view them, and that's not the way God views them. This is a fulfillment of the promise that Isaiah wrote about in 55, that the Lord's ways are higher than our ways. And you'll see that. Everything along in this line and everything that was pointing to her at that time, she believed, the firstborn, this must be that man. Now, we're not told she had other children yet or, or there was others up to that time. The Bible is not a history book. So we're not to look at this and say, oh, this is the only son she had. This is where the Holy Spirit focused on the birth of Cain and Abel. And there's a reason. Because everything in this book speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything that Jesus said, Lo, I come in the volume of the book that is written to me. He told them to search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. They are they which testify of me. Jesus is the word. He is the written word. Everything in here is not about man's history. It's about Christ's redemption for his people. Everything. From the moment we got into Genesis last week, we see the same pattern and the same truth going throughout the word. So she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. We had two occupations here on the face of the earth at that time. Adam, who we saw in the fall, was told he would till the ground, the ground that was cursed. Adam was a farmer. Adam also was the keeper of the animals. So we have that there was shepherds, and we see that Abel was a keeper of sheep. He was a shepherd. And Cain was a tiller of the ground. The two occupations that are set forth before us. When we come to verse 3, we have a lot of years now that have taken place. I think sometimes I, I remember... I remember from my youth, I remember uh, a book that I looked at that had children's stories in it. And, and you know, you got to be careful of those children's stories because they get a lot of things wrong in there. They, they depict things the way they really weren't. And, and I remember the story in the book about Cain and Abel. You had two little boys coming up to God and they had their little offerings. But th this isn't about two little boys. The Bible tells us in the process of time. That's why I introduced to you 24 today, because now Cain is the head of his home. Abel is the head of his home. They now are bringing forth the worship that God has ordained, that every man that worships must come to this place. And there was one acceptable sacrifice. And both of the boys knew of that sacrifice because of their dad, Adam. Adam had raised them. Adam had brought this sacrifice to this place every time because the Lord revealed to him in 21 when he slayed the animal and he clothed them, he told them the only acceptable sacrifice would not be their works, would not be the works of their hands, but would be the picture and typification of Christ who would come, the Messiah. There must be a shedding of blood or there'll be no remission of sin. And keep in mind, like I said, today, I hope, you know, we've, we've hit Cain and Abel pretty heavy this morning. This isn't about Cain and Abel. This is about the Lord Jesus Christ. What is he saying in this? 
And in the process of time, it came to pass. This was many years later. Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. So you see right now, that's why I read Hebrews 11.4 to you. Because I know, I mean, many religious men and many people come to this passage and they don't understand what separated the two offerings. Because Cain, certainly, he was, there's nothing wrong with being a farmer. And Cain brought of the best, I believe it was the best he had in the ground. The best that he had. But he looked up to the Lord and he said, Lord, on this day of worship, the time I'm coming to you, I'm going to give you what I made with my hands. I'm going to give you what I've done, and I want you to accept me based on my merits. Remember, Genesis 3.15 told us something. For all of the rest of humanity and all the days that we live upon this earth, there's going to be two seeds. There's going to be the seed of Christ, and there's going to be the seed of the devil. The seed of the devil comes to the Lord and says, you take the best of what I have. Take everything that I have. I'm giving you of what I've worked out, what I've done. Now, to one thing I don't want you to lose sight of this morning and was revealed to me a couple years ago when reading a sermon on Cain and Abel. Boy, I don't know how we missed that that these, Cain and Abel, always represent the two natures in the child of God. We have two natures. We have a fallen nature that continuously wants to be approved of God or religion based on what he does, what he offers to God. Oh, Lord, I, I prayed. I went to church. I did these things. This is our fallen nature in our flesh. But there is a part of the child of God that is Christ in us, that gives and offers the Lord worship in faith. What we're told today, which we haven't gotten for yet, so I'll try not to get ahead of myself. We'll focus on Cain first. He brought the fruit of the ground and offering unto the Lord. So he brought the best of the ground, which, by the way, was cursed. It was cursed. Don't ever forget that. The ground was cursed. And, and Cain said, God, I'm going to bring you forth what I deem is the best of this cursed ground. And that, that's really deep in religion today. It's very deep for us as we come to the Word of God to see that, you know, we're not sitting here talking about people that pronounce and hate God. Cain came to worship God. But he knew this was not the correct way. What's missing? That's what our text told us in Hebrews 4. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. That more excellent sacrifice was the depiction of Christ dying for his sake, for his people. That's what we celebrate today. That's what we celebrate. Jesus came and laid down his life he came to die for his people. You can't separate the birth from the death. He came to die. He came to save his people from their sins. And you will see throughout all of history, and you will see throughout all of the word of God, that those, those in the line of Cain, that Jude calls the line of the devil, that John calls the line of the devil, 
those that are in that line always believe that they are righteous in what they are bringing to God, never seeing their unworthiness. The line of Christ, the people of God, always see and are brought to see their sinnership and to see their unworthiness and that they don't believe that they're righteous. And that's throughout, that's today, that's throughout the Word of God, that's the way it's always been. And that's what's depicted for us today. But we're not talking about Cain and Abel, we're talking about Christ and the difference that he was in Abel's life. As Adam revealed to the children the way to go, Abel didn't have to listen to him. And you know what? Cain could have. Cain could have went to his brother, which was exactly what we read in Leviticus. We read the acceptable way, if you're not a keeper of sheep, is you go to the ones who are and you purchase a lamb for offering. He could have purchased one. He could have went to his brother and said, I want a lamb that shows forth the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he couldn't because there was no Christ in him, the hope of glory. There was no Christ revealing to him faith. That's what we celebrate today. Christ came to save his people. And he's faithful to do it. And he's faithful to show them what true worship is. And this is the first inkling that we've ever had of what true worship is. And he comes in verse 3 and he says in the process of time, he brought the fruit of the ground and offering unto the Lord. And then when we get to our text, it says, and Abel. He also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Immediately after that, it says, but unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. Dear ones, listen. You can never separate the man from his offering. That's what the Bible tells us. You cannot mix grace and works. You cannot mix what you have and what the Lord has done. You cannot cannot mix what the Lord has done in your soul and offer a fleshly offering. Those two men in their lines there, Abel in the line of Christ, offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice, and we're told how? By the grace of faith. That's what we celebrate today. Belief. Abel believed. You know, you you hear a lot of stories and a lot of things at this time of year, and Steph and I watch a lot of movies and a lot of Christmas movies, and uh, all of them have that underlying theme. You know, you, you just have to believe in this time of year. It's full of Christmas miracles and things like that. There is a Christmas miracle. And uh, I was in a conversation the other day and one was telling me, you know, there's just not miracles like there used to be. God doesn't do the things that he, why did he stop doing the things? And I looked at that person, I said, let me tell you something. What I know about my wretched self, it was more of a miracle for the Lord to make me a believer, to, to cause me to cry out to him than it ever was to part the seas, than it ever was to rain manna down from heaven. That's how far the fall has plunged all of man. And the only way back and the only way to Christ and the only way is through Christ and what He's done. This is the 
gift that we celebrate this year and every year. The unspeakable gift. And we don't say He's unspeakable because we can't speak of Him. It's because whatever words we say of Him will never do justice to His worthiness. It'll never do honor enough to His name. It'll never do enough to what He's done for us. Because a lot of that has been hidden from us. We only know in part. We only know in part. But to Abel, he also brought of the firstlings, the best of his flock. And that offering depicted Christ. Now hold your finger there. We're going to go to Hebrews twice today, Lord willing, if I can remember. And the first time we're going to go is right here to Hebrews 9. So if you look with me in Hebrews 9, and I'm just going to read 11 through 14. But Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us. That's what we celebrate today. He has obtained eternal redemption for His children by His blood. That's why we sang that song this morning. What can wash away my sins? What is the power of this gift, this unspeakable gift this morning? What is it to you sitting there this morning? What is it we walked in that door with and what is it that we're offering the Lord now? Is it a Cain sacrifice or is it an Abel sacrifice? One is of the Lord. One is of the fallen nature. One is of man. One is of God. And true worship is what we have laid out for us, but we'll go on. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctify to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? That's what His blood does. It purges our conscience from dead works To serve the living God. This is what Abel saw. And we're told that in Hebrews 11.4. He saw it by faith. The faith of the Son of God. That's what the blessing. That's what the gift is. That's what the gift of Christ that was promised in 3.15. To his line all the way through. However long it goes. Then look over at 22 real quick. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. Abel knew that. He only knew it by faith. Yes, both boys, they saw what their dad did. Their dad told them. Their dad sat there. I I, I tell you, would that have been some of the most powerful words to ever hear? I am the reason that all humanity fell. And this is how the Lord in grace has told me that's acceptable to Him. Because of the sin that entered into the world through me. That's what He had to tell His children. And He sat there and won. Now this, is, this tells you all you need to know about free will. You won't come to Christ. That's what Christ said. You won't come to me. But all that the Father gave me will come to me. 
There's the difference. That's, 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 it's, it's laid out for us. What is the difference? It's the gift of faith. It's Christ's faith to believe. To believe that He is. John said it. We'll go back to our text now. In Genesis 4. John said this in John 1.29. He says, The next day John saw Jesus coming unto him. And man, I can't read my writing. Well, let me go back to the specs here. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saying, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. John was revealed to him that Christ was the Lamb of God. In Revelation 15, 12, 5, 12, sorry, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power. This is what the people of God are revealed. Worthy is the Lamb to that receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. To Him all glory. To Him all blessing. This isn't about Cain and Abel. It's not about Abel's offering. It's about the gift of faith to offer that. It's about the gift of faith and love of Christ to say, this is my child who will worship me in the right way. And He'll do it by the faith of the Son of Later in Revelation 13.8, we're told that he's the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. That's how faith was revealed to Abel. He is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Say, how did he know? How did he know? He was the lamb slain before the foundation. It was done in eternity. He laid down his life. For all that the Father gave him, he would lose none. And not one man could ever pluck any of them out of his hand. Eternal security, that's what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is truly, He is truly the gift that keeps on giving. Every day of our life. His mercies are new every day of our life. That offering that He gave typified Christ and showed forth the Lamb that was needed. And you know why? Because there must be the death of the innocent. And that's what was shown to them in, in 321. That's what was shown to Adam. There must be the death of the innocent that stood in the place of the other. That's what Christ is to his people. Never sin, never a blemish, never, never any false word in his mouth, never was perfectly obedient to his father, who was perfectly obedient without sin. You and I can't identify with that. But that's how, that's how perfect that holy sacrifice was and is. And that's the only way it could have been to be accepted. That's why all the sacrifices had to end. Because Christ was the perfect sacrifice. No man could ever give anything that's in any kind of... Could even hold a candle to what Christ did. Because of His perfect obedience and because of what He's done. Christ... The faith that the Lord gives in the true worship, the worship must consist of the blood sacrifice. Always. Our worship before God must always have the eye of faith seeing Christ's finished work. Do you ever wonder why Paul didn't say, I preach the doctrine of Christ, I preach the theology of Christ? He said, we preach Christ crucified. There was a reason for that. That's the gift that Christ gave us in true worship. It's Christ crucified. 
And faith always has a vision of what Christ did on the cross. That's why when we take the Lord's Supper, it's all about the redemption and what Christ has done in laying down his life for his friends. That's what faith, that's what his faith leads us to. It leads us away from the Cain nature. It leads us away from works. It leads us away from from what we can commend ourselves. When Cain gave that offering of what he did, he said, look, Lord, look what I did with my hands. Now receive it. And Abel said, the merits of what I give you is in this lamb. Receive this lamb, the merits of the lamb. And just the actual killing of the lamb showed that he was a sinner. He needed atonement. He embraced it. He said, I'm a sinner. I need to offer a sacrifice that's accepted of the Lord. That's the gift of this season. The gift of worship. Where two two or more gather in my name, I will be in the midst. What do you think the Lord reveals to his children in worship? Himself. What he's done for them. His finished work. Abel came by faith and approached Christ on the merits of the lamb, the lamb that had no spot. He didn't approach him by himself. He didn't approach him on himself and his own merits. He didn't say, oh, look, Lord, look, I, I did this, I did that. That's what Cain did. And that's a false worship. And every time it will be rejected, and it will always be rejected because it's the worship of fallen man and it's the worship of a non-enlightened man and it's the worship of Cain. Jude calls it the way of Cain. Have you gone the way of Cain? It's interesting that he used that Cain. The first one we have on record saying, as we'll see, that he's cursed. Abel believed he was sinful and he brought an atonement for sin. And so now we have, after that, we go to verse 5. And that's where the Lord says, But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. He had no respect for Cain and his offering. And you can't separate the two. All the Cains in this world and all the Cains that will ever come after him will offer the same thing and the Lord will never have respect of them. And all of the Abels that are in the line of Christ will offer through faith the worship, the offering of faith to worship Christ through Christ himself. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect and Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. And we're told in Proverbs 15, 8, that the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. This was an abomination in the Lord's sight. I don't care how good the fruit was. I don't care if it was the best he ever brought. Anything by man's hands that man's will worship, man's self-worship, man's will will always be rejected by this complete sake. Because that's not the way that he has set forth. That's not the way that he set and turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. That's the only way. Jesus said it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto me 
but by my Father. Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why are you wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If you do well, shalt thou not be accepted? If you believe, Cain, you would have been accepted. But Cain didn't. You can spin it any way you want to. You can make excuses for Cain. But there was nothing in Cain. He was dead in sins and trespasses. And the best of his worship could not commend him to the Lord. He had no Christ in him. And the Lord calls him on it. And he says, if you do well, you'll be accepted. But if you do us not well, sin lies at the door. And dear ones, that sin that lied at his door was unbelief. He didn't believe God. He didn't believe what he knew. He didn't believe what he saw his dad do and sacrifice. None of it resonated with him. And you can go to church your whole life and you can read the things and all the things and see all the religious ceremonies and all the religious things. And if Christ isn't in you, if Christ doesn't reveal to you that he is worship, you're dead and you're unaccepted. You say, wow, that's, that's just not a happy message. It's a message of, you know, as I said last time, I am more amazed. You know, I, I had that question put to me recently. I don't understand why God just didn't save everyone. I'm more amazed that he saved anyone. That's, that's, that's because our nature is the same as Adam's nature. You know it. If, if the Lord ever opened the veil off your eyes to see how desperately wicked you are and how depraved your heart is and all the things that you wish for yourself and to glorify yourself, you would know what a sinner you are. That's what Christ does. He reveals what a sinner you are. Then he reveals the blood that took away those sins. But he tells Cain something at the end of this. He says, and unto thee shall be his desire. Nothing's changed, Cain. You're still the firstborn. You'll still have all the blessings of the firstborn. You'll still have all the things the firstborn gets in the customs of the Jews. You're the firstborn. You're, you haven't lost that. That's enough, isn't it? That's all the worldly wants. Position, money, titles, whatever it is, you haven't lost that. And then we go to verse 8. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field. The two of them were out in the field together. And Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and he slew him. I'm going to tell you something. You and I, we know if we get angry with somebody and we walk out that door right now and we pick up a rock and we hit him in the head and we kill him, we know where we're going to go. We're going to go to jail. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna sit in front of a jury. We're going we're gonna to answer for the crimes that we commit. That's what's put in our society. That's what we live by. We know there's a deterrent there in the Lord's mercies that in our society that we live in, there is a deterrent to go out and do those things. It's not that man doesn't do those things. And man will pay for those sins that he does. But we have a deterrent where we live today. Cain didn't. 
Everybody wants to say, oh, well, listen, the depth of what Cain did here, he didn't, he, he wasn't worried about no jury sentencing. He wasn't worried about no jail spending time in. He wasn't worried about any consequence of his sin. It's the raw nature of Cain that came out in the hatred of God because God did not accept his sacrifice. And he transferred that anger to his brother because God accepted his, and that's the same enmity that 315 last time we talked about will always be the seed of Cain and the seed of the devil will always hate the seed of Christ. Always. And there will always be persecution. And that seed of the wicked one, if not restrained by God Almighty, this is what the end result will be. But you know what? Abel singing praises to Christ right now. Right? So it couldn't touch Abel's soul. Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and he slew him. And now we have another interval. We have more time passes by because now the next day of worship comes up. And I know that because verse 16 tells me that, that Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. So now they've come back to that that day, but Cain has come back with his same argument, his same offering. You say, well, why couldn't Cain know any better? Didn't he get rejected the first time? He still came before. Cain was a religious man. He's still going to offer God whatever he offered him. He's still going to come before God the same way. Because there's no grace in his heart. There's no Christ. There's no forgiveness. There's no repentance. There's no redemption. There's nothing. And he comes again in 9. He said, the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel thy brother? Now we know the Lord knew where Abel was. And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And that smart answer, that will answer, that self-righteous answer comes out of Cain because that's what always comes out of the religious man who thinks he knows everything. It's always the high righteousness. Am I my brother's keeper? Is, is he, am I to watch him today? Is, am I supposed... You know exactly where he is. This is an indictment. And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood cries unto me from the ground. What did it cry, dear ones? It cried for vengeance. It cried out to God, Avenge me. Avenge me of my death. And the souls that are under the altar in Revelation, we hear them crying out to the Lord to avenge them. Avenge them of all the persecution. And the people of God, our voices cry out every day, Lord, avenge us. Avenge us of the place that we live in. Avenge us of all the ones that, Lord, are against Thee and against Thy anointed. You know what Hebrews 12 says? Go over here to Hebrews 12 with me. It's the last place we'll go. Hebrews 12. Somehow I didn't get there. There it is. Let's, um, let's just look at 22. 
but you are come unto Mount Zion, speaking to the people of God, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and in an and to an innumerable company of angels. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Now listen to this. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Christ's blood speaks mercy for us. Not vengeance, even though we deserve it. Christ's blood speaks life to us. Christ's blood says you have life because of the blood. And it's nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's what can make me whole again. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. If you go back to our text now, you'll see that from this moment on, now in 11 through, I believe it's 16, we see the curse. 11 through 15. By the way, just as a side note, just so you don't sit in some kind of thinking that it's only Cain and Abel on the earth, we know there were many people. By the end of this chapter, it's believed there was 32,000 people on the face of the earth. Verse 15 tells us that there's many other men. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, he sure wasn't talking about Adam and Eve. There's a lot more men in the, in the, in the, on, the, on the face of the earth. So now we have the judgment of Cain. Cain is cursed. There is no redemption for Cain. Cain is in the line of Cain. Cain is in the line of the devil. And then we have a whole genealogy of Cain and all the ones that came from Cain. And then we come to the end of our chapter. In verse 25, Adam knew his wife again. And she bare a son. Remember this isn't a history book, so this isn't the third born. There's been many born. This is the one the Lord shined the light. The Holy Spirit said, I want you to know about this one, Seth. And she called his name Seth, for God said she hath for God said she hath appointed me another seed. That's what that word means. Appointed. He's given me another seed instead of Abel. I guarantee you she ain't sitting there saying anymore that Cain's the the seed of Christ. She's now saying Abel's the seed, not Abel. Seth is the seed. He's given me another seed from Abel whom Cain slew. That's the depth of the mercy of our Lord. Always, never, ever will man be able to extinguish the truth. The Lord always keeps the line of Christ intact and all of his people throughout all of time until he says no more. No more. And to Seth, to him also, there was a born a son and he called his name Enos. And then we see, then began men to call upon the name of the Lord in public worship. No more coming to that place. No more. There's too many people. So now they began to call in groups. What did we learn today? What I hope you saw today is this unspeakable gift. 
Abel's nothing without Christ. You and I are nothing without Christ. The grace that Christ, the grace of this gift to give faith to believe. You know, I, I've said this many times from up here. I've watched a lot of those specials when they talk about the red guy in the suit. and Boy, if you just believe, he'll bring you this. And I'll praise God. Praise God. There's that that hopeless thing doesn't exist in the people of his in the child of God's life that's what Christ is hope is in Christ Christ is salvation Christ is life Christ is this sacrifice Christ is worship I pray to God today that the Lord reveals to you that he is worship this gift this unspeakable gift he is worship he is faith he is grace that's what he revealed to man all the way back from the beginning. I jotted down this, this line of this song. It just came to me this morning. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. You ever thought of that? I dare not trust the sweetest thing that comes into my mind whether it's the things of this world, what I love, what I love to do, what, who I love, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. May the Lord set us upon that rock today. May He be glorified. May He be lifted up. May you see Him. May He lift your eyes to see Him and nothing around you. And because of His worthiness, He is worthy. Remember that verse we read. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Worthy is the Lamb. Dear Heavenly Father, add thy power and thy clarity. And Lord, may you indeed instruct us in what worship is, that you are worship. You are life. You are grace. You are faith. You are love. You are righteousness. Lord, make every one of thy children this hour bow to thee and know thy presence for the glory of thee. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.